God's glory and purpose is our priority. Dear God, God, you be glorified and you show the people that you are God. That's what God wants us to do, everybody. Prayer has got to give glory to God. Have confidence that God's victory will come. When God gets involved, there's nothing that God can't do. All right, your Bibles are open to 2 Kings and... Um, and uh, uh, but we're, we're learning. We're learning about. We learned about surrendering and following, following and worshiping and, of course, winning and and to be all in. And that's what it requires. Now, listen. We have a mission. We have a mission to care. And if we want to win, we got to surrender. We've got to follow. We got to worship. And we got. We want to win. But I think we need to fall back a little bit. And I think that there's something else we need to remember about um, winning and about caring. About caring for the lost. Hey, everybody, look at me real quick. We have a mission, and Cornerstone Baptist Church has a mission, and our mission is to show people um, uh, the ministry of reconciliation. Do you know what that is? The ministry of reconciliation is that Jesus Christ forgives you of your sins, and we're forgiven, and we're to go out and show people that Jesus Christ forgives them of their sins. We have this ministry of reconciliation. That's why we're here. That's why you're here this morning. You're not here to, 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 to get entertained. You're here to come to, to, to see what God would have you to do, how he'd want you to surrender and follow and worship so you can go out and that we can be the church and that we care about people who are lost, who are dying and going to hell. We care about those we care about those in our, in our midst that are going through hard times. I was looking on Facebook this morning, and golly, there's a lot of hurting people out there. And people aren't always going to ask for us for help, but we've got to be praying for one another, pick up the burden for one another. You know, um, um, I, I, I'm just going to say it. You know, I was looking on Facebook this morning, and, you know, um, I didn't remember it. My sister died, you know, two years ago. I forgot about that, you know, and it brought, you know, it's, it's tough. And, and then I was noticing a friend from high school that I went to actually junior high with, and then in high school, ninth grade, his family moved off, and he became a big track star, went to the Olympics and stuff. But So I caught back up with him on Facebook, and the day would have been his uh, daughter's birthday, but uh, um, at the age of 19 years old, she was jogging in the park, and she was shot and murdered. Awful. It's awful. And then I noticed on Facebook this morning, there's a few people in here that are just going through some hard times. Listen, we, we care. Everybody Right? And so, and so to, to care, we've got to surrender, we've got to follow, we've got to, we've got to worship before we can care, but care about the lost, care about each other. But I think there's something that we've, we really forgot, and that's faith and prayer. And Brother John, you, you did a great job of putting that together this morning to reinforce the message. Faith and prayer. Faith. We've got to have, we've got to have faith. And you know what activates faith? Prayer. We're going to look at it this morning in 2 Kings chapter 19, an incredible story, the story of King Hezekiah. And it's a beautiful story. And, and listen, Cornerstone, we, we've got to have faith. And here's what we taught Wednesday night. And if you don't come to Wednesday night's Bible, Bible lessons, you need to come. And so I got a new clock up there that John put up there. And when the numbers turn red, that means I'm to slow down. You can't see it turn red. Only I can see it turn red. So y'all don't be looking back there, Miss Kim. All right. Okay. But uh, so, but I'm getting carried away here on my introduction here. But, but it's a really cool deal. Here was in the book of Hebrews, 
um, the, the, the author of the book of Hebrews, the Holy Spirit, is talking to the Hebrews, and he's telling them, come out of Judaism. He, and he's talking to a group, and that group, there, there are some that are saved, that some that aren't saved, and that some that think they're saved. In other words, they got it here, but they don't have it here. A lot of people like that, by the way. And so he's telling them, he's saying, come out of Judaism and come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's saying, leave behind all your tradition, leave behind the temple. All those days have passed. All that was leading up to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And he has come, he has died for the sins, he has gone back to heaven. He says, so, so that dispensation is over, and now we start the dispensation of grace. So he's telling those Hebrews, leave it, all of it back, and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Because he's better than the angels, he's better than Moses, he's better than the prophets, he's the great high priest, and there's none like him. Everybody say amen. So he's telling them to leave those people. And so, and so we found ourselves in Hebrews chapter 6, and then he f- uses Abraham as an example. When we think of Abraham, we think of faith. And so what he's saying to them is he's saying, leave all of that and just fall back, faith. Fall back, fall back and trust God. Just like he told Abraham when he left Ur, he's saying, just fall back and trust God. And when he, when he took Isaac and, and to sacrifice Isaac, he said, just fall back and trust God. Listen, Cornerstone, when it comes to, 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 to faith and prayer, we've just got to fall back and trust. I mean, he used this example of as Abraham because Abraham showed great faith. And, you know, God is, is calling us to do some great things about caring for the lost. It's not going to come natural. Caring for one another and helping each other and being the church that God attended, it's not the, always the easiest route to take, but it's the right one, and it requires faith. And how we get faith is by praying to our Almighty God. Everybody say amen. All right, here's a story in 2 Kings chapter 19. And I'm just going to kind of go over it here with you a little bit. So 2 Kings chapter 19, and it records one of the greatest stories of a battle that ever happened. Now, Sanarib, which was the king of Assyria, he had gone on a mini world conquest. And he had conquered over 46 kingdoms. 46 kingdoms. And in 2 Kings chapter 19, he brings about, listen to this, he, he, king, the king of Assyria brings in 250,000 troops into Jerusalem. Now, this was a huge army because the entire population of Jerusalem at that time was only 10,000 people. And it's estimated that King Hezekiah, his mounted army was only about 2,000. So 250,000 versus 2,000, really. And here you got the king of Assyria, and he's a wicked king, and, he, and, 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 and he's, he's, he's a monster, if you will. And he comes in, and he, and he sends letters, and he sends messengers, and he tells them, forfeit, <laughs> surrender, because there's no way you can beat us. Now, this king, again, he does some smack talking, and he, he does send the letters, and he sends the messengers, and he tells the people, he says, don't let your king fool you, telling you that your God is going to deliver you. That's from the king, king uh, of Assyria. And then we see that, the, that Isaiah the prophet was brought in, and he told the king and all the people that Judah will be delivered. Now, Hezekiah, I'm just fast-forwarding here, Hezekiah prayed as a true believer and the leader and fully trusted God at his word. Now, while Israel was sleeping, and here's the story, while Israel was sleeping, so 
Hezekiah got the letter. He took this letter, the Bible says, and he went to the temple of God, and he laid that letter out. And he, and he said, God, look at this. And he says, God, I trust you. He says, show everybody, the Assyrians and the Israelites, that you are God alone. He prays to God. He, he takes that letter and he places it out and he says, God, look upon this. Isaiah tells him that you're going to be delivered. And then we see that that night that they go to bed and when they wake up the next morning, it, it, it shows us, I think it's in verse 35, that the, that the Israelites went outside and, and God had struck all the Assyrians dead while they were sleeping. Not one single casualty from the Israel side and everybody had died on the Assyrian side. And then the Bible says that uh, the king of Assyria, that uh, he left defeated. No longer is he 46 and 0, but now he's 46 and 1. And he goes to Nineveh, and he lives with his sons, and then his sons kill him. Not a very good ending for the king, was it? But that's our story. And now let's get to the message, and let's make some applications. Let's, let's make some applications from that, from that. Now... Here it is. The kings of Israel were supposed to lead the people to trust God, despite the fiercest oppositions. And that's exactly what Hezekiah did. Think of that story. He led Israel to have confidence in God in the face of overwhelming odds. And because of his faith, Israel won a great victory, a victory that preserved their nation from destruction. Now, you might say, well, Pastor... How does that affect us in our pews this morning? How does that affect us? Well, let me tell you how that affects us. We have a king who leads us, and it's not Ron Fox. We've got King Jesus, who is omniscient, he's omnipotent, he's everywhere at all time. We serve a king, and what he wants to do is he wants to lead us. He wants to lead you individually in your life that you're living for him, and he wants to lead us as a church. And listen to me. There may be some fierce opposition out there. We may live in a postmodern world. We may be living in a world where, where the devil is the prince of this world, but I'm telling you right here and right now that we don't serve King David, and we don't serve and have to depend on King Hezekiah, who are mortally men, but we are led by King Jesus who knows everything and he can never fail. That's who our king is. So no matter the opposition that's coming your way, and we'll talk about that here in a minute, you may be having some oppositions this morning, maybe in your marriage, maybe in your children, maybe in your finances, maybe in your work, maybe in your health, maybe you got a bad report from the doctor. I just want you to know that, listen, that we have King Jesus, and he is our king, and he is going to lead us, and he is the great high priest, and he'll never let us down, no matter the opposition. You see, the kings at that time, they were to take the people and lead them and encourage them and to and to win listen we have a king and his name is king jesus and nobody can do it better than him everybody say amen right all right so look at a couple of things with me this morning just real quick number one god's glory and purpose is our priority god's glory and purpose is our priority we see here that hezekiah gives you a picture of prayer and faith and, and let's look at these things. Number one, God's glory and purpose is our priority at verse 35. But, let's, but first look at verse 19. Now, in his prayer, in King Hezekiah's prayers, now, 
Would y'all be freaked out if, uh, if, um, if 250,000 troops camped out around Decatur, Texas? Would y'all be freaked out? This is how, they, I mean, there's 10,000 people, so not much bigger than what Decatur is right now. But could y'all imagine 250,000 savages that are just waiting to kill you camp outside of the city limits of Decatur? That's how it was for him. And the Bible says that what King Hezekiah did was, is he went into the temple and what did he do? He prayed. He prayed. In verse 19, here's what he says. Look at verse 19. It says, he says, he says, show these people, talking about the Israelites and the Assyrians, he said, he said, show these people that you are God alone. Hey, everybody look at me just for a minute. When we're taught, when we have, when we're at overwhelming odds, when there's something going on in our lives, we need to know that first of all, that prayer is going to work faith and faith is going to work prayer. We get that. But do we understand that we have to make sure that all glory is given to God in that? And that has to be our purpose for every prayer that we pray. Here's what I mean. If I'm in trouble and if something's not going good if, if, if in my family, I'm going to pray, but I can't just pray, God, I need 25 bucks so I can pay my electricity bill. That's not going to get it done because my prayer has got to give glory to God because everything should be given glory to God. Do you get that, everybody? Because, see, when Hezekiah prays, he just didn't pray, oh, God, deliver us. I don't want to die. No, Hezekiah prayed. He said, he said, he said God, you, you show the people that you're God and you're God alone, that it doesn't have to be us. We're in overwhelming odds. But because you're God, God, you be glorified and you show the people that you are God. That's what God wants us to do, everybody. Everybody say amen. You know, when we're faced with overwhelming odds, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll just get feeling sad about ourselves and our circumstances, and there's really no faith in our prayer and no prayer in our faith because prayer has to start that faith. Now, Hezekiah knew um, that was God's purpose, to be glorified. Scripture told him that it was God's purpose. Isaiah the prophet in this story, if you'll go back and read it this afternoon, tells him that's the purpose. And so when he discovered the purpose of God and prayed them back to God, he saw an outpouring of the power of God. Let me just say it again. If you're experiencing unanswered prayers, if you're experiencing unanswered prayers, the first place you need to look is whether or not your prayers are grounded in the revealed purpose of God, which is to bring glory to him and him alone. Is your prayer filled with the promises of God? Look, we just must make sure that our prayers are prioritized for God's glory and purpose. And again, God, I have a need. God, I have a need. Whatever that need is, it should, it should say, God, show these people that you are God and God alone. The job, my health, the ministry, whatever it may be, God, I, I, need, I need this in my life, and God, I pray by faith that you're going to deliver us out of this thing. But God, most of all, I just pray that you'll use me, that you'll use this circumstance to show people that you are God and that you are God alone. Look, Cornerstone, next week, this is the, this is the second announcement. Next week, we're having our business meeting. We're having our business meeting. And during that business meeting, we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to have a budget for us to vote on for our new property, okay? So I'm not going to preach long tomorrow. And uh, next Sunday, I mean, in 1145, we'll start the business meeting. We'll be out by 12 o'clock unless there's an uproar 
I'm just kidding around. There's not going to be. But, but, but here's what I want us to say about that is that, is that you know, we, we need to be praying people every day, a hundred times a day when it comes to our building that God, um, it's not about me, but Lord, it's all about you. And it's all about be people being reached, and it's all about the lost, and it's all about it's about being the church that we can be. And it's saying, so, so God, you build this church. It's not about me. And, and Lord, may you be glorified and show the people that you are God and that you're God alone. Do you see? You know, when we started the whole building project, you know, process of it, you know, eight months ago or a year ago, prices were over here. And now, in the last year, I mean, everything has just skyrocketed. It was supposed to be $150 a square foot to build, and now it's like $200, but it's like $175 a square foot to build. And so the bottom line is, church, is that, is that you know, we're going to have to come up with about between three dollars and $500,000. But you know what? We just got to pray. We just got to say, God, you are God and you are God alone. Show us and show these people that you are God and you are God alone. It's going to take faith. You know, um, I've, I've told this story before, but I just want to give you some encouragement. In, my, in the first building project that I, was, that I was involved in, it was going to cost about $1.2 million to build this certain facility. We didn't have any money. We had like $20,000 in the bank, the church, and I was the pastor. And um, the Lord just says, build it. So we went, and we went and borrowed $1.15 million. And we just said, Lord, you just, you just build it, and we're going to be obedient to you. We built the building, and about, and about two weeks before we moved in, we had the cash money in hand to pay it off. God got the glory, folks. It, it, what, you know, in our church, we didn't have anybody that made any kind of money. But, but here we had this gentleman in our church, and it's just a phenomenal story. You know, he was, you know, he was, you know, he went to college in the in the late 50s, early 60s, and he went to college. He had five dollars in his in his pocket and a sack of clothes. He 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 got through college and he graduated. He's, he went through a couple odd jobs, roughnecking in the oil field. He finally started his own little little company, and uh, it was it was going under. It was going under, and he tells the story that uh, one one Sunday morning he woke up and he asked his wife. He said he said how he said how much money do we have in all of our accounts? And she added it all up and she said $112. This was back in the early 80s, um, yeah, early 80s, and uh, she added it all up. And she said, $112. And he said, write a check to that to the church. Everything we got. They come to church. They put the tithe in the offering plate. They go back home. Their phone never stopped ringing. 30 years later, he sold one of his businesses for $55 million. He had no idea it was worth any kind of that money. All I'm saying is, is that God does marvelous things. But look, prayer starts faith, and faith feeds prayer. And what we have to do is understand that it's to God for God to receive the glory. It's not about me being comfortable. It's not about you being comfortable. It's not about us. It's about him and about his purpose being revealed. Everybody say amen. Everybody give the Lord a hand, will you? Like we said last week, you know, when, when Joshua went in there to Jericho and, 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 and they didn't have to knock down those walls, God took those walls down. And just as God could tear down those walls, he'll, he'll, he'll erect new walls. Everybody say amen. Because God is God and he can do all those things. Number two, have confidence that God's victory will come. 
you know, he knew God would establish his kingdom no matter how bad the odds were. You know, he was kind of thinking a quarter million soldiers camped outside of his walls. A letter demanding his surrender is in his hands, and he's in the temple, the king, and he spreads it out before the Lord, and he falls on his face, and he puts all confidence in God. Why? Because he knows that when God gets involved, it doesn't matter if it's a quarter million people or 25 million people because there's nothing that God can't do. His confidence in God didn't lead him to do nothing, to sit around and say, well, you know, it's all in God's hands. That's a big cop-out. Listen to me. A lot of times we'll say, well, it's just in God's hands. Is that faith? Is that putting prayer to action? We know that things are in God's hands, right? But we should be praying and saying, God, take this situation and may you be glorified because of it, that that people could be reached and that people can be saved, and just for the whole world to know that you were God and you were God alone. You know, as Christians, we have a set of purposes. We have some purpose in our life. And one of our purposes is, is to show that God is God alone. We're to show people that the Messiah that the world is looking for, it's not in Buddha, and it's not in Muhammad, and it's not in all these things, but it's in Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. Our purpose as a church is to glorify him. Our purpose as a Christian is to glorify him. Our purpose is, is for people to know that there is forgiveness for sins. That's our purpose. Our purpose is to be obedient in the word of God, even when our postmodern world doesn't agree with us, that we stay true to the word of God. You know, the, the, the world says that abortion's okay, but the Bible says it's not okay. We're not to compromise truths. The Bible says that homosexuality is a sin. And the Bible's right. We're to love all sinners. We're to try to lead them to Jesus Christ, but we cannot give up on the Word of God. As a church, as a Christian, we're to stand on the firm Word of God, and we're not to, we're not to waver from that. We're not to compromise those things, because what the, the Christian world has done for so many years is that they've gone in and they compromised. I was just reading there's a church there in Dallas now that's doing same-sex marriages, a Baptist church. Come on! This is God's Word. That's not showing the purpose of God. And I'm not saying we don't get on the other side and we hate people. We love people, but we don't give in to it. We love them. We love them. We love them in Jesus' name because we want them to, to experience the ministry of reconciliation. But I'm telling you, all we're saying is, is that as a church, we've got to we know what God's purpose is. And God's purpose is for us to be ministers of that ministry of reconciliation. We're to, we're to show people who Jesus Christ is. We're to, we're to make sure people know that God is God alone and there's no other God. Everybody? That's, that's, the, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. We, get, we have fun and we cook some pretty good vittles. And that old, and that old uh, brother Glenn can cook the meanest peach cobbler in the world. I'm telling you. And that's just all extra good stuff, isn't it? That old John can do a pretty good job on catfish, I can tell you that much. Um, I don't know, um, you know, what some of you guys are, but Teresa's beans, man, I'll die for Teresa's beans. Is she back up in there? <laughs> Teresa Galindo's beans, yeah, but anyways, I don't know how I'm getting off on that, but, but, uh, but anyways, and I just love how you wore your shirt half in and half out. I think that's just amazing. <laughs> I'm just kidding, right? <laughs> Mama, you okay back there? 
we can look good. No, I said we can look good. <laughs> so for you. <laughs> but you know, our purpose is really is about showing this world that God is God alone. Amen. And we do that. We do that by who we are. And 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 I know I keep hitting this, but you know, we're gonna show Decatur that God is God alone when we erect that new building up over there. And it's not that we need this new building because because of any other reason except we just want to reach people for Jesus Christ. We we care about the lost. We care about one another. We want to do ministry. We want to do ministry. And and, uh, um, that's why. And God's going to do it. God's going to do it alone. But here's the thing. He's going to use us. But number two is that he's going to use us. But we've got to get in prayer just like Hezekiah did, and say and spread it all out in front of them. Spread it all out. God, we're, we're in a deficit here, but you're God, and you're God alone. You show everybody. That's what we got to do. We've got to pray. We've got to get on our knees. We've got to get into the temple. We've got to get into that holy of holies. We've got to pray and say, God, here it is, and God's going to do it. God's done it before in the past, and he'll do it again. But we've got to pray, and prayer shows our faith, and that works together. Everybody got it? We've got to pray. I'm not in the red yet. Okay. Wasn't Hezekiah, wasn't he a great king? Didn't he good, good, do a good job leading Israel? Well, I want you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 20 real quick. Real quick, please. So when you pray, pray. God goes to work. God goes to work. You know, God can do more. <laughs> God can do more while we're sleeping than we can do in 10,000 years. That's what he did for Hezekiah. You remember that. God can do more than what we can while we sleep than, than we can do in 10,000 years. Now, I want you to notice in 2 Kings chapter 20, I want you to see the rest of the story. This was an awesome moment. Hezekiah did exactly what kings and leaders were supposed to do. He led the people to believe God in the face of overwhelming odds. But look at the next story, 2 Kings chapter 20. It opens with Hezekiah getting sick in a life-threatening disease. I won't go through everything because of time, but, if you, but you can read it later. But in verse 1, it says, In those days Hezekiah became mortally ill. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you will surely die. And then the Bible says that Hezekiah, he just began to weep. And he began to cry. And he turned to the wall because he was just so overwhelmed. And, and he just, oh, I can't die. And oh, you can't let me die. And he, and he cries and he weeps and he turns away. And, and then, and then so, so God tells him, he says, I've heard your prayers I've seen your tears. He says, I'm going to give you 15 more years. Hezekiah said, thank you, Lord. And just as God says, he was healed from his disease. Isn't that cool? And then, the, then, and then in chapter 20, here's what it records. Everybody listen, and we're going to be done. But, but then it says in, in chapter 20 that the king of Babylon, he sends a letter to Hezekiah just stating to him, man, I just I heard that you're doing better now. We're so happy for you, and uh, we're, we're going to come see you. And he sends a gift to Hezekiah. 
And so the Bible says that, that the people from Babylon, they come, and it says that Hezekiah took them all around the palace and showed them all of his arm, ar- armors and showed them all of his gold, all of his riches, and told them about how he won this war and won that war and, and all of these things, and he showed them everything. There's something missing here, isn't there? He, see, he showed the Babylonian kings everything that he did. He never once took them into the temple. He never once told them that, hey, God slew 250,000 Assyrians. Hey, God healed me. Not one time did he ever do those things. You see, what happened to the king is he got to be all about himself. He was, he was blessed by, by God. And then when it come time for him to testify that to, to, to the Lord, to show the whole world that, that God did it, he kept it all to himself. Listen to this. The Bible says that Isaiah come and rebuked Hezekiah. And then, the, and it says, I'm not going to read it, but I'll just paraphrase it here. And, and basically, it says that Isaiah says, he says, look, you're going to live out your 15 years, and, but, but I want you to know that, that God says that, that the Babylonians are not going to now, now take Judah in, into captivity. And so, do you know what the response was of, of King Hezekiah? He, he, says, he says, is it going to happen in my, in my lifetime? And Isaiah said, no. Hezekiah's response was, oh, good, so it won't bother me then. See what happened? It became all about him and not about God. The Bible says that he lived out those 15 years and he died just like God said he would. And then sure enough, Judah was taken to captivity for all those years. And of course, we understand that's another message, but we, we see that. But here's what I want us to see from that, just a couple of things. First, it's easy to receive the blessings of God and make them all about ourselves. Can I have an amen out there, everybody? It's easy, it's easy when God blesses us to just to make it all about ourselves. See, Hezekiah didn't do that the first time, but here, that's what he did. He made it all about himself. I see it all the time. I see people that's blessed by God with prosperity and family and salvation and good church, and it just becomes about them, their comforts, their needs, and their glory. They're not worried about how well this church reaches others, but only how well the church meets their needs. You get it? They don't care about the lost as long as they're not going to hell. As long as I am comfortable and set, who cares about a building for the future generations? And then how about our missions that we support? Well, as long as I'm comfortable, well, the missionaries are going to make it out there on their own. So the question is, is are we using our success to give God glory or are we, using, or are we using our resources for the mission of God that we care, that we care, we care about people, we care about the lost? Let me ask you, have you been blessed by God with salvation and family and resources and people all around you and they, they perish, you think, like Hezekiah? Number two, I see here in this scripture, and then we'll end with this. Hezekiah's tragic end, like the end of every king in the Bible, points us to the need of a greater king, one who would not think of his own interest, but the people and God's. You know, again, King David was a good king, but he slipped up, and he cared more about women than he did actually God's will, didn't he? King David was a great man, but he liked the women a little bit too much too, (laughs) And, and he liked counting his people. But you know... Um, today, Cornerstone Baptist Church, 
our king isn't King David, King Hezekiah. It's not even King Ron Fox. And it surely isn't King, King Barry. Can I get an amen on that? Barry Obama. Okay, now you get it. All right. But our king is King Jesus. Our king is King Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen, he's perfect. He is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. And there's nothing that he can't do. He's our king. We can trust and we can follow him. No matter what arsenal surrounds us, no matter what financial problem, no matter what marriage problem, no matter what difficulty there is, no matter if we're building a building and, um, and God knows that we're going to be a little short on the funds, we can trust King Jesus to lead us. Amen? Do you believe that? We've got to have faith. And if we're going to have faith, we've got to pray like Hezekiah. Slay it out. And, when you're, and in your prayer, your prayer needs to be that purpose. God, show these people that you are God alone. That you're God alone. Amen? Guys, if you'll make your way forward for the invitation, please. And if you will, um, just bow your heads just for a moment. Bow your heads, and I just I want to I want to say this. Um, and tonight, in your base groups, you're going to get a chance to talk about the message and where it, where this message finds you. And and our leaders taking copious notes this morning, and just for a few minutes in our base class, just to help grow us and to 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 be in harmony. But think about this, and this question is going to be asked tonight in your base group. And here's a statement. In the, moment of it, in the moment of adversity, we turn to God. But in the moment of prosperity, we turn back to ourselves. That's what Hezekiah did. In adversity, he turned to God. But in prosperity, he turned back to himself. Are we guilty of doing that? Paul would say this. He would say, we who then live by his dead should no longer live for ourselves, but for the one by whose death we live, not for a season, but for our whole lives. Hey, we're to live for Jesus our whole lives. He is our king, and we can trust his leadership. Father, we love you this, this morning, and we thank you for Jesus Christ, and we certainly do ask you, Lord, that you'll continue to bless Cornerstone and to bless uh, each and every one here this morning. We do lift up to you our, 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 our building and, Lord, our budget. And, Lord, we just, we just know as a church that nothing surprises you as they surprise us. And, that let, and, and Lord, that we understand that, that, um, that you are God and you are God alone. So, Lord, we just lay it all before you and between this week and next week and the next seven months or eight months of building, Lord, we just, we just want to prove and show this world that you're God and God alone, that, that you still do the impossible things, and that God use us in whatever capacity that you have, each and every single one of us. We surrender, we follow, and we worship. And, Lord, because we know that we win when we do those things. 
Lord, we just love you, and we know by faith we got to trust in you, and that we just fall back, and you'll catch us every single time. And Lord, our purpose is to give you glory, to give you glory. So Lord, I pray this morning, if there's anyone that just needs to come, maybe they're going through their own personal um, hard time, and they have great prayer requests, and maybe they're seeing their prayers unanswered, so, Lord, I, I pray that, that, that they'll search their hearts and make sure that their purpose with their prayers are right and that their faith is right. And, Lord, I pray this morning that whatever it is, maybe it's marriage, maybe it's finances, um, maybe, maybe it's work or job or, or health, whatever it may be, Lord, that they'll come and just, just like Hezekiah, just lay it all out and give it to you and ask you, is to show everyone that you are God, that you're God alone. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, you come as God leads us.